What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Run Your Mouth Podcast. It's uh, nice to be with you guys. Monday morning, back from, uh, where was I? Dallas. Fun fucking shows with Davey Smith. I had a great time. Looking forward. Going to be in Detroit this weekend. And also, if you're in the New York City area, I'm going to be starting to do Wednesday nights from the Barrow Street Ale House. They've got a legendary jazz club in that basement. Uh, apparently, I believe Miles Davis and John Coltrane even uh, maybe even recorded albums out of there. But small room fits about 40, maybe 50 people. Perfect, perfect sound in that room. It's a nice little setting. And uh, use promo code FIRE. You get $5 tickets. So go over to my Eventbrite, promo code FIRE, $5 tickets. I'm going to be probably posting every Wednesday, working on my New York City chops, working the new jokes of the roads, putting up all my uh, New York City friends. And I, I got a bunch of friends at this point who are unbelievably hilarious comedians that you're not going to be seeing at other comedy clubs because comedy clubs mostly don't know what they're doing. They're not booking some really incredibly funny people. So coming out and uh, you can stick around afterwards. There's a jazz show. So this is the great dude. If you're a cheap fucking Jew and you're looking for something to impress your lady, $5 tickets. You could spend four hours at this establishment watching the comedy show and the jazz afterwards. And the tickets aren't going to be five bucks forever. At some point, I'm going to build this thing. It's the hottest ticket in New York City. And you're going to be talking about the days that you could get in for just five bucks. I mean, you can't even get a subway foot long for that price because they're not actually a foot long. You got to get like four of them and then merge them together and then be making diarrhea for three weeks because that's going to fuck your shit up. Dude, the last time I ate Subway, and I didn't even eat good Subway. I ate something simple like a turkey. You know, by the way, take advantage of being fat while you're young. Like, you know, really overeating is a young man's game. Like, I remember when you could just pull into a Subway, eat a meatball sub, think it was delicious, and not just have to ruin an entire day. And obviously, it wasn't, like, as delicious as, like, legitimately delicious food. I mean, we all under know. I, I'm, I'm a sandwich expert here, so this I wasn't taking an opportunity to endorse Subway sandwiches. I was trying to endorse being a younger man and just being able to eat, like, a box of cereal and not having it ruin your life. And that's what we should be telling kids. Forget doing drugs. Just eat sugar and enjoy yourself while you're young. There's like a window in there where you're like 12 and 14 and you could just pound donuts and stuff and not have it ruin your life. So take advantage. That's what you should be teaching your kids. Enjoy the sugar while you can. Uh, all right, listen, let's let's uh, let's get into some news topics. Uh, come out for my show, though. And uh, let's talk about we're breaking balloon barriers. I mean, it's time as a nation that we start taking balloons seriously. We have had administration out of administration just letting balloons float around in our skies and no one seems to care about it. Suddenly, this is 2023 and when our country's going broke and we got to start saving money and slashing Social Security and Medicare because obviously those things aren't even paid for. Uh, I, I, but the thing that we need to start taking seriously is these balloons in our skies. For too many years, our politicians have been ignoring the inanimate floating objects that are just floating above us and pretending like they aren't there. And now that we've broken the balloon barrier, now now that's all you're ever going to hear about is these fucking balloons. Hold on one second. Drop my mouse. Don't worry, everyone. Seeing all the porn I've been watching, I want that to start playing automatically. That wouldn't be a win. We're trying to stay focused and talk about these balloons in our skies. It's like when one guy broke the five-minute mile, and then everyone could break the five-minute mile. And now since one guy managed to get a photograph of probably one of our own government surveillance balloons that they're trying to blame on the Chinese, now all of a sudden, it's nothing but balloons all the time. And the government, it, it, it's unlike the border. I mean, you get border crossings every single day. You get pictures of people coming across the border. They don't start taking that shit seriously. You get trains that are getting derailed and exploding, and they're talking about how pipelines are the bigger problem. We can't have pipelines because if you get pipelines that are going through the woods, you might have environmental factors. That's why we need to have trains. Trains are safer than the pipelines. So don't be uh, don't be 
we got to support the industries that I, I forget the guy's name is invested in. And so instead of looking at these fucking railroads that are exploded about problems at the borders, what we need to get serious about is the balloons. And so we're putting all of our resources into that. Government, instead of building up walls, they're going to put these big fucking turret things like in the World War II movies. They're going to be all over the country. Your sirens are going to go off. You're going to hear that there's a balloon. Everyone in the entire town is going to rush to get into that turret thing. You sit in a fucking blast balloons out of the fucking sky. That's the world we're going to be living in. All right, balloon unit six. That's going to be like the, uh, the most advanced thing. And until immigrants realize that balloons are the way to get in, and then they tell you you can't be shooting down the balloons anymore. But we're not there yet. We're in, we're still in the early stages of unregistered balloon activity. What the fuck you people think is going on in the balloons? There's never been a story that has made less sense to me in all of my media coverage. Because when government comes, steps up and goes, yeah, no, that's Chinese spies, they wouldn't admit to that kind of shit. What do you think? It's our own government surveilling us? You think that uh, they're going to pretend like there's aliens, that they can lock us back into our homes? Well, what is it about being inside of our homes that makes the government feel so good about themselves? What is it about everyone not engaging in actual lives that makes the government go, oh, we're doing our job well? If we've scared everyone, into, it's like the government's agoraphobic, and so they want all of us to be agoraphobic too, because for some reason that makes them feel better. Or they, they just want the entire world for themselves. They already, they already have access to the nicest places with all the wealth. But what they really want to do is just be able to go out to Times Square in the middle of the day. I, I don't even know why. There's nothing exciting about Times Square. It's human fucking flies showing up because there's a bunch of bright lights. And then realizing, oh, we're a bunch of flies. There's nothing here. And then they start getting antsy about the fact that they spend so much money showing up to Times Square and realizing that there's nothing there. And then they start falling for fucking tourist traps because everyone's like, here, buy this ticket and you can have fun. And then they're like, shit, well, I was here and I need to start having some fun. And then you just start spending more and more money. It's like when you're at the casino and you're trying to make back the value of your own vacation. So you just keep gambling and gambling. Times Square is the same way. They sucker you there with the bright lights and you think it's going to be fun. And then you realize that it's just overly congested and crowded with a bunch of people as if you're on a Disney line for a ride that doesn't even exist. You're like, why am I in this line of people? There, There's no fun ride at the end of this thing. And then you just keep getting suckered and spending more and more money. But we were trying to talk about the balloons in our skies. We weren't trying to uh, go off on Times Square. Dude, if they tell us that there's aliens out there and... Uh, uh, and like there's some sort of a radiation. I, I mean, at this point, is anyone going to believe them? I feel like there could actually be a threat. And at this point, I'll be like, I'm going to have to see that threat for myself. That's what's going to happen. At the, 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 that's where I'm at. Where are you guys coming in on this thing? If they actually start, they got satellites that can project imagery and they can make it look like there's UFOs and other shit just to scare us into thinking that there's some enemy and that's why they need more control over us. Are you guys going to believe them? Because I'm pretty sure I might, I might be the first to get anally raped. That might be what happens. Is government gives you a fair warning, and they're like, listen, aliens don't know how to open up doors, so as long as you stay inside your house, you're going to be fine. And I'm going to be like, fuck that. I'm going, to the, I'm going to the gym to work out. I mean, well, not the gym, because they will have closed that, but maybe you can still do park workouts unless the cops come, and they tell you that sunlight's going to be bad for your health and that you can't wear a mask and nobody can play outdoors because there's a supposed alien regime out there. And then what they do is they start roping it off, and then I'll be the one guy who's out there looking all fit and sweaty. I'll be the first to get raped by the aliens. All right. Uh, now, we did a live Part of the Problem podcast from the uh, Dallas Comedy Club. And someone in the audience asked me about the Hawaii Lasers 
the Hawaii green matrixy lasers. And when this lady asked me that question, I responded and asked her, what drugs are you taking and how come you haven't shared them? Because that's the only way to react to people telling you about Hawaii lasers. And I feel like I'm looking at everything on Twitter. If there's anything that's fucking insane and it's coming up on Twitter, I should be aware of it. I shouldn't be finding out about these things from within a comedy club by some random lady who sounds like she's on drugs. But then apparently she was 100% correct. And I don't know if you guys have seen this footage yet of the lasers over Hawaii that now China's taking credit or they're blaming it on China. Um, but in terms of, I guess, the ability to either government's got some fucking creepy ass technology and uh, every once in a while they mess up and their technology gets caught on camera. And then they got to be like, oh, yeah, that's that that's uh, that's we're just projecting things. Oh, yeah, that's just our weather scanners. Uh, or we managed to get like a view of the Matrix or whatever the actual system of overlords are here. The the actual aliens are above us. And then government's got because they're in cahoots with those creatures. They got to be like, no, 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 that, that was our uh, our weather balloon scanning technology. So here I will play this for you guys. This is, uh, you know, live from the most credible sources on the internet. Uh, oh, shit, where's my weather balloon video? Where'd I move that to? I mean, it wasn't a weather balloon video. It was the... Oh, come on, I did not... You know, we'll just go to YouTube. We'll go to YouTube. I can find this real quick for everybody. You guys can talk amongst yourselves in the chat. I'm actually... You know what? I'm going to put... Ah, shit, that's not there either. All right, all right. We'll get this. We'll get this. Hold on one second. Oh. <laughs> That's how retarded I am. It's just the next slide, everybody. It's right there. It was right there the whole time. Here you go. Everyone, you can see the Chinese lasers that are in, in our skies. You thought you were concerned about weather balloons. What you got to be concerned about are the sensors that every once in a while, they just come from above, and uh, they show you the fence that won't let you actually get to the center of the world. Because if you go to the North Pole, there's a big hole in there. You guys seeing these these lasers? Hold on, you'll see it. Brights up, comes down. Literally looks like the fence at the edge of uh, at the edge of our reality. And um, my guess, they're gonna start projecting shit. What do you guys think? Here, Ray Ancamp coming in, letting us know the balloon wars begun. They have <laughs> with the Yoda talk. That's better than the world <laughs> world war balloon has begun. Yeah, start building your balloons now. That that's going to be the, the 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 terrible Disney movie that makes no sense, where uh, the world gets ruined and everyone's got to go float up in their balloons. Pirates of the balloon are beans, and then you got to go up there and we have to sword fight between people's balloons. Where you try and jump onto other people's balloons, steal their resources, and then you got to deflate their balloons so that they got to go back to the world. And then once they go down, they're finished. But every once in a while, new people find resources somehow, and then they come up with it. And then it's uh it's balloon wars, 2023. Corona's over. Everyone tries to escape their own continent, and now all we can do is float up in the ether and fight each other in each other's balloons. All right, here's a random question, and then we'll get back into the serious news topics because I got more balloon coverage for you. Um, do when, do women's flannels fit better? Cause I'm pretty sure I'm wearing a women's flannel right now. I, I bought it. I was in Marshall's the other day. I had to scramble and this is going to be the next topic as well. Cause I haven't picked up laundry in a while and I was out of underwear. And then I realized I was flying the next day and I needed underwear stat all out of sheath. 
So I ran over to Marshall's, and I was like, I'll be able to pick up some underwear. All crappy underwear. Stick with your sheaths. Which, by the way, I, d d d here's another sheath thing that I forgot about, is uh, loose elastic band underwear. Because I got fresh. I got fresh undies. Fresh undies shouldn't have been with loose elastic bands. And I was in front of this comedy club, and I was trying to piece together the production gear, and I had Plumber Crack City. I had Plumber Crack City so bad that uh, one of the... Uh, waiters came up to me and started hitting on me because he could see the full spectrum of my rectum and he just couldn't resist my juicy buns uh and he was like you know you're you're literally flashing everyone your asshole and i was so in the zone with the production i was doing i didn't even realize that there was and i, I wanted to air, air out my ass anyways i didn't get a chance to do it at the hotel sometimes you're really crunched for time trying to get to the comedy club so you could set up gear for the production thing uh but then as i was walking around i kept having to like pull up fucking underwear for me and i forgot about the shitty elastic bands of shitty underwear which is just another uh, reason why you should be wearing sheath. You go to sheathunderwear.com, you use promo code RYM. Not only are you going to be wearing the greatest underwear, the most comfortable underwear that's ever graced the balls of man, but also you're not going to be dealing with plumber cracks because the elastic band actually works and it actually stays up so your underwear isn't just falling down your, your ass crack under your ass and then into your, and once it goes over the circumference, the roundedness of your ass, it gets to like that halfway point. That's it. It's like the fiscal cliff. Once you're over starts sinking fast all right anyways just trying to talk about uh women's flannels because that might be my new look i don't know why I, I seem to have the flattest chest while wearing women's flannels is that what they're doing they're making flannels for men that accentuate your tits and then flannels for uh for big titty dikey ladies that want to hide their tits maybe the best shirts for men with tits are actually the dikey women lesbian flannels because those are actually made have an optical illusion like you don't have tits so if you're a dude and you're dealing with your tits and you don't want to go to the gym you're sick of doing your push-ups you just got to buy yourself lady flannels lady flannels will make yourself maybe i'll start that website i'll talk to robert from sheath about a new company called ladymanflannels.com where it's dikey flannels that um button like a ladies thing from the other side but do the best job of making it look like you got a big chiseled chest so uh, I don't know. Anyone else, any other men out here experimenting with lady flannels that are also completely heterosexual and don't otherwise want to be dressing like a lady? All right. Um, people who take shit jobs too seriously. We're going to hold that for the next episode. I watched a mental breakdown of a uh, flight attendant in uh, LaGuardia Airport. And uh, I do have some footage from it, so maybe I'll take the time to actually compile that footage because I see Stevens here. We, we've got some uh, some information regarding Corona, and I got Steven, our Wonder Boy non-scientist. We will be getting to him in a couple minutes, so I'm going to come back to that topic shortly. Egg prices. I saw an article on Zero Hedge the other day that the egg price bubble has burst. Now that they've got something new for us to panic about with these fake balloons up in our skies, we can have reasonably priced eggs again. They're, they're moving on to the next thing. Getting rid of all of our eggs is no longer the storyline. The new storyline, how many of you guys really experienced not being able to get eggs? Or that eggs really got out of control with their pricing? Because at my local grade A shopping mart, I noticed more than once that I showed up and the, egg stock, the, the eggs were not well stocked. They weren't out of eggs, but they weren't well stocked. But then I went to the other markets. I went to my Trader Joe's. I went to my Whole Foods, and they had plenty of brown eggs, not at jacked up prices. 
at the same thing I kind of basically always remember eggs costing. And so you know what I did? Instead of buying one thing of eggs, I went ahead and I bought myself two things of eggs. I was like, you know what? Just in case there's a week where I can't get eggs, I'll have two things of eggs. And I was like, this is how it happens. Everyone, instead of buying one thing of eggs, they get nervous they won't be able to get enough eggs. They buy three or four things of eggs, and then nobody has any eggs because we all panic consume. We get out there. They tell us that we're not going to be able to have any toilet paper. They tell you you're going to be having to shit on your hands and fucking rub your ass on the walls. Shower if you can, if there's even running water. They tell you you might have to go out into the street, pick up grass off your neighbor's lawn and clean yourself like a dog where you try and get yourself invited over your neighbor's house and you're just going across the carpet rug, pulling with your legs and trying to get the fucking carpet fabrics right up in your asshole just to clean yourself out. That's what they tell us is going to happen. I watch the news. I'm in the know. But then all of a sudden, by a month later, they're like, yeah, yeah, there's not going to be an egg problem anymore. Are there ever any actual real problems? You people in the chat, did you run into that eggs were unavailable? How did that happen with gas, too? Uh, you know, for all this thing of like the, uh, when, because uh, I'm usually defending, hey, the market works, and then some people just go and like that these companies can't collude. But are they doing that? Like, what happened with gas prices before the election? They're all the way through the roof, and they're like, all right, we'll go back to normal prices now. Is someone just like literally just controlling this shit every once in a while just to get us all to panic about random shit all the time? All right, that's all I had on egg prices. Uh, next up is. Can we let Leo be a creep in peace? And I say that because I fear for the women he's hanging out with. Because, listen, let's just be realistic here. If you manage to be 55, not completely fat, and you're like the biggest celebrity on earth, you're going to be able to be with younger women. Now, is being with 18, 19-year-olds completely creepy? Huh, kind of. I mean, what are you talking about? You can't even have a drink with them. That's like the, that's like the weirdest part. At least at 21, you can have a drink, and you can be like, you're creepy. I feel like 27 is the right age. I feel like 27 to 34, like tw th th that should be the age that you're hanging out with. Like 27 is like an adult and adult. They're younger than you, but they're like adult-like. 24, still in like that college range, you're kind of being a creep. But I guess at some point you've earned it. And then like, I guess the 19-year-old model who gets to hang out with Leonardo DiCaprio, that's like the badge of honor. I mean, she probably gets to put that on her resume so that she can get more modeling work. Is that, hey, I'm the model that Leo DiCaprio brought on the boat next week. And I bet that's a networking opportunity. And we're out here and we're shaming Leonardo DiCaprio for uh, everything he's accomplished in life that allows him to hang out with these 19-year-old women. He might stop letting them outdoors. You know, at the moment, at least he's bringing them on the boat. He's letting them suntan. He's letting them be out in public. And he's probably not going to stop having sex with 19-year-olds. So if anything, you're ruining it for the 19-year-olds by making it a shameful activity. And so that's on you, media, for, 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 for putting Leo in a spot where he's going to have to start just keeping these 19-year-olds in the basement. So I'm just trying to point out the costs of, of shaming uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, all right. We're going to talk about Yoel Roth, and we're going to talk about Scott Adams. But before I do, we, we might as well bring on uh, Stephen, because I feel like Stephen will have insight on both these topics. I do want to say a note about responding to Scott Adams before I bring on Mr. Stephen, our resident non-scientist. Um, I feel like, all right, I, the whole thing in terms of responding, it feels to me like it's a losing game, and it feels like a losing game for a couple of reasons. So Scott Adams responded to us on the Part of the Problem podcast, uh, more uh, more responding to Dave, which is fine because I was kind of sitting there and just being an asshole anyways. Uh, in his response, I feel like he made a couple uh, 
we're, we're not going to do a full breakdown. I'm letting you guys know that. We're not playing that. We ain't doing a full breakdown. I do feel like there were some uh, logical binaries. But I feel like the entire thing here is a losing game for a couple reasons. One is we're shifting the narrative where they're trying to have a very specific conversation of like, well, how did you know that the vaccine would cause injuries? Uh, and the answer is we never said that. What we said was, why is the government trying to force us to take something? Oh, I think we probably have to come down from YouTube now. Ah, shit. You know what? I'm changing the order here. Motherfucker. YouTube really uh, throws things off. See that Steven stepped away. So we're going to talk about Yoel Roth for a minute. minute. Then we'll respond to Scott Adams so that we can stay on YouTube for a few minutes longer here. Uh, so Yoel Roth was up in front of uh, Congress. They're giving him shit for all the collusion between big tech and government. Uh, in my opinion, it was somewhat a bad showcase for the Republicans and that if you thought the Republicans were going to take over and that they're going to start investigating the Hunter Bidens, they're going to start investigating why all this money is going to Ukraine. They're going to get to the bottom of just how much collusion there is between big tech and government. I'd give them a C grade. It's cool that they had the meeting, but they didn't have like enough bombshell. Hey, we've got we've done our homework and we can bust these people type energy. Uh, now there was one very good moment where I thought Yoel Roth got caught just absolutely and completely lying. It's from this pretty lawyer lady. Looks like she went to the same hot lawyer school as uh, Johnny Depp's lawyer. But they're clearly playing a, a game here where for one, I mean, Yoel Roth wouldn't even cop to the fact that they were ever intimidated, um, by the FBI, which like... Right off the bat, the fact, like it's very clear, you guys have entire, uh, you create an entire structure by which you, you have to have two separate teams. Like you seem to very well organize yourself uh, to basically, at a minimum, accommodate the requests of the FBI. And so, why is this guy answering every question in a way that it seems like he's working for the FBI, or like he had a meeting where he was coached and he was like, "Hey, we got to make sure," you know what I mean? It seems like he's clearly playing for their team. Uh, that he won't even cop to the fact that it's odd that the that at Twitter he needs to restructure um, every everything that he does in order to figure out how to best placate the FBI without being in trouble with them, and then also. The entire game that you're playing would suggest the fact that you've kind of been intimidated by the government uh, to acquiesce the request. But even that he won't give in to. And then the fact that there's all these different layers and structures just so that everyone can point their picture and go, well, they never told us we had to do that. It was always a suggestion because of something that was in violation because of our own rules. Yeah, if everyone's sitting down and they're figuring out how you can legally wink and nod and make a suggestion to a social media company that they better do what you, the government, wants, I, I mean, at a minimum, it's in a violation of the spirit of the law, and then you got to redo the actual wording on the law because you figured out another way to break uh, the idea that government gives us free speech. Steven, I'm going to pull you on here. I know you walked away there for a second. Actually, no, I don't have the sound set up. Let me play this video, and then I'll pull you on. So here we go. Here is the one video from uh, hours. I think for seven hours, that's the wrong video. Hold on one second. I will have the right video. Oh, no, no, this was the right video. Here's the here's the right video, and I watched uh, seven, maybe six hours. I didn't watch six hours. This I was listening to all of it in the car. Most of it was not this great, but this uh, one pretty lawyer lady came in with some good insights. Let's give it a watch. Chair recognizes Ms. Luna for five minutes. Thank you, Chairman. Mr. Roth. Mr. Roth, um, have you communi communicated with government officials ever on a platform called JIRA? 
Yes or no? Real quick answer. We're on the clock. Not yes to no? the best of my recollection. Not no. to your recollection? Great. Have, if you did in the event communicate, who would have had access to this platform? That's the nature of my confusion. Okay. Jira did you ever speak to government officials on Jira regarding taking down social media posts? Again, not to the best of my recollection. Can you explain to me why the federal government would ever have interest in communicating through Jira, mind you, a private cloud server with social media companies without oversight to censor American voices? I want to let you know that this is a violation of the First Amendment and the federal government is colluding with social media companies to censor Americans. Mr. Chairman, I ask for unanimous consent to submit these graphics into record. And Mr. Roth, I'm going to refresh your memory for you. This flowchart behind me. Thank you, Chair. Um, this flowchart shows the following federal agencies, social media companies, Twitter, leftist nonprofits, and organizations communicating regarding their version of misinformation using Jira, a private cloud server. On this chart, I want to annotate that the Department of Homeland Security, which has the following branches, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, also known as CISA, Countering Foreign Intelligence Task Force, now known as the Misinfo, Disinfo, and Malinformation, MDM. This was, again, used against the American people. The Election Partnership Institute, or Election Integrity Partnership, EIP, which includes the following Stanford Internet Observatory, University of Washington Center for Informed Public. I'm going to play mostly without commentary because it's only four minute long. Uh, but he's at a minimum going to get busted here that the entire time through all these proceedings, he's basically saying that he doesn't have direct contact or other department had contact. People are making decisions. No, he never gets direct information, blah, 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 blah. And here it seems like he's getting busted outright for using other communication platforms that I guess would not log these communications. And so he would seemingly be in direct correspondence with government in regards to what they're looking for Twitter to uh, censor, publish, downgrade, Invisiblock. All right, let's continue to watch. Graphica and Atlantic Council's Digital Forensic Research Lab, and potentially, according to what we found on the final report by EIP, the DNC. The Center for Internet Security, CIS, a nonprofit funded by DHS, the National Association of Secretaries of State, also known as NASS, and the National Association of State Election Directors, NASED. And in this case, because there are other social media companies involved, Twitter. What do all of these groups, though, have in common? And I'm going to, again, refresh your memory. They were all communicating on a private cloud server known as JIRA. Now, the screenshot behind, uh, screenshot behind me, which is an example of one of thousands, shows on November 3rd, 2020, that you, Mr. Roth, a Twitter employee, were exchanging communications on JIRA, a private cloud server, with CISA, NASS, NASED, and Alex Stamos, who now works at Stanford and is a former security, of, um, security officer at Facebook to remove a posting. Do you now remember communicating on a private cloud server to remove a posting? Yes or no? I wouldn't agree with the characterization. I don't care if you agree. Do you? All right, so let's just pause. That's weasel answer number one. So he gets a simple yes or no. First, he was asked, do you ever communicate on this platform? He goes, no. She brings, I guess, direct evidence of the fact that he has. And she go, he goes, well, I wouldn't agree with your categorization. Well, how do you recategorize whether or not you had a conversation on a platform? It seems like you did have a conversation on a platform, and that's also him not wanting to answer the question. Let's continue. This is, this is your stuff. 
Yes or no, did you communicate with a private entity, the government agency on a private cloud server, yes or no? The question was if I could. Yes or no. Yeah, I'm on time. Yes or no. Ma'am, I don't believe I can give you a yes or no well, answer. Well, I'm going to tell you. He doesn't believe he can give you a yes or no answer. And this, to me, is part of the issue with these. Like, the, the whole game is that you bring up these people. You see if you can catch them in a lie. And if you finally catch them in a lie, they go, well, I don't think I can uh, respond to that. You know, they might as well, at the beginning of these, instead of, like, having, I don't even know if they swear them in, but I, I would assume they do. But instead of swearing them in, they should just go, are you prepared to tell the truth? Plea that you can't remember. Say to the best of my knowledge. I say I don't know the specifics, and I don't agree with your categorizations to help me God. That might as well be the way that they start these hearings. All right, let's bring uh, Mr. Steven on. Mr. What's Steven, up, what's, up? what's up, what's up? What's going on, buddy? How are you? Good, good. I, I think you're getting, I a, little, getting um, a little, um, uh, double, uh, double speak, double speak. You're getting double speak? I think if I just pull this down, you ain't going to get into double speak. You still getting double speak? Check, check. No, we're good. All right, cool, cool. Uh, you got a little hum on your end, but whatever. You got, you got a microphone there? Yeah, check. All right, it's it's okay. We got we got a little bit of a hum, but it's not it's not too aggressive. Um, did you watch any of uh, these Twitter proceedings? No, just because uh, my conclusion is the same as yours. No one ever gets in trouble from these, so you you know there it's like it like be watching um, like a dangerous sport, but you're guaranteed that no one's gonna die. It's like well then why am right. I watching it? You know, right? Yeah. I, I I think that's a fair way to put it. Okay. Steven, I promise I didn't bring you on the podcast again just to hear me talk, but I want to set up this uh, Scott Adams segment a little bit, and then I will allow, because you actually brought the receipts of why his analysis is uh, completely wrong. But before we get into that, I, I do want to say, oh, and we do have to come down from YouTube. So for everybody, you know, me and Steven, we're nice people. We just try and be respectful of the platform. Uh, if you're continuing, if you're interested in continuing to follow the show live, uh, it's both Twitter and uh and uh twitch robbie the fire all one word or you can wait the full episode will be up on spotify uh later today and the unsponsored segment as always is brought to you by the greatest comedy podcast sponsor of all time yokratum.com home of the 60 dollars kilo so here we are we are coming down from uh youtube number one coming down from youtube number two and now Steven, we're in a safe place for talking about whatever we'd like to talk about. <laughs> Man, it's crazy the times we're living in. But yeah. All right. So let me break down Scott Adams. So first and foremost, I do feel like the entire structure of these conversations is a little bit of a losing game. Uh, to us, we said, hey, there's little utility of the value to this vaccine. There's a possibility of side effects. It's weird that we're being lied to. And it's even more dangerous that government is censoring us and basically having authoritarian policies with zero evidence that their policies make sense. So, like, in other words, it would be one thing if there was a legitimate emergency situation and government took emergency powers and maybe you and I would go, oh, shit, I guess there's proof of the fact that libertarianism doesn't work because sometimes there is an emergency. And look, I guess government shouldn't have done that, but this time it got it right. Kind of like Jack Bauer torturing a guy right before a terrorist attack and little Fox World News World. You know what I mean? You're watching and you're right. like, all right, maybe we shouldn't ever do that. But in that case, it worked. And I guess it worked, right? So it might but work now, again. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. So you might be like, oh, I guess you do have an argument here. In this case, we had government making horrible policy decisions 
mandating kids aren't going to school, you can't have your job, we're going to start sending people checks, we're going to have full-scale socialism, you and your doctor can't make your own decisions about your health, we're going to be tracking your whereabouts, we're going to be tracking whether or not you got a vaccine, you're going to get fired from your job. And the core of it, at the core of it was us going, government shouldn't be making these kind of decisions. Right. So we clearly, knew beforehand, which is important, right. right? Right. So before this ever happened, if we if this like theoretically was put to us, we would have acted the same way, which is also important for this argument. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Right. Even if we weren't like if someone just said as a theoretical, should government have these authoritarian powers, we would just say no. And then even if there when, was a virus that was. Yeah, yeah, right. right. I, I get what you're saying. But in this case, we're looking at all the information that's coming out. And as it's coming out, we keep breaking it down. And it's fascinating because we're like, they're obviously lying to us. <laughs> so what is the agenda here? Like, why is it? Is it in? And that's what made it so fascinating as everything was coming out live, was looking at it, realizing they were lying and going, OK, it's absurd for them to be taking this authoritarian power. Now, this is part of the losing game is I don't have the resource to do a full look back on Scott Adams and what he said. But from what I recall, was coming across his Twitter feed a couple times when he was shaming people and calling them idiots for not getting the vaccine. Now, the problem with taking that side is that you're not just supporting the vaccine. You, In my opinion, you're kind of supporting the entire like regime there of that the government was actually bringing you something with good evidence that you should be taking. That you I have to take. Well, yeah, but the problem is, like, now we're making a leap, or I don't know that he would, like, I, I don't okay. know the specifics that were said. I just know that he was kind of shaming people into being stupid for not getting it, and even that was wrong, and yeah. I don't know. Which implies you have to take it, though, but yeah. Well, not, right. not that you have to take it, but just to him that you would have been, that the intelligent person at that time would have made a decision to yeah. take it, sure. whereas to you and I, there was always, there was always lies about the utility of it that anyone should have been able to have seen through yeah beyond and, the initial skepticism of being like whoa this is way too much too fast right and then we actually right. looked at the data yeah right so just being out there as uh kind of a typically counter news person calling people dumbasses for not getting vaccinated uh not a great look but once again, I don't have the specifics, which is why this is kind of a losing game. And then the last part about this, well, there's two more things that make this a losing game, is that also we've gotten a lot of things right to have the last thing you say get wrong, to have someone come and like reframe three years of analysis to a single question about something like, which is what wow. I called it out for, where I was like, oh, this long COVID thing, this is a fucking riddle. I'm not playing your suit. And then he goes, oh, look, you couldn't answer my riddle. So clearly, and that's why it's a losing game is like, no, we got a track record of three years of episodes of breaking shit down and being right. Like, it's kind of a losing game to have someone ask you one specific question at the end, and then you get that, and now all of a sudden, like, what? Oh, yeah, you were just wrong, and, and you weren't lucky the whole time. I mean, you were lucky right. the whole time. And then exactly. here's the last one. There's another form of censorship where people get, I call it Lenny Bruce syndrome. So Lenny Bruce, after he got censored, uh, and, like, he was a real, you know, I mean, he really fought the fight for free speech for comedy. But then afterwards... Once again, I'm, I'm talking out of pocket here. I think he did a fair amount of comedy, which was just him talking about the experience of being censored. And he wasn't necessarily doing comedy or being funny at that point as much as he was, like, talking about the fact that he experienced censorship. And <clears throat> that, to me, becomes another way that the machine wins is when you become uninteresting or obsessed with something that's kind of over. You know what I mean? So to me, it's like the COVID yes. thing, it's kind of over. And it's like if you and I spend our entire lives now 
just going over the past COVID stuff, it, it becomes another way that they win the game where you just come off like a crazy person. Like a coup, because, yep. Yeah, because you're obsessed with something that's no longer that. Like, it's important to you because you went through it. You fucking got harassed. You lost work. You lost your job. Like, you know the cost of it. And so you're still kind of fighting for justice. Where you're like, the injustice of this. And so you're obsessed because you didn't get your justice. But to everyone else, they're like, dude, we've moved on. You know what I mean? Right. It, it's like the guy who breaks up from a chick and just won't shut up about it. And then at some point you're like, I can't hang out with this guy. He's becoming a fucking. fucking <laughs> He's a puss. Yeah. He can't even go out anymore. Yeah. yeah. So these are all the reasons why I do somewhat think that like that getting like too hyper-focused in these look back conversations can be a bit of a losing game. However, in this case, because uh, long COVID is, uh, I always thought was mostly buffoonery. I got articles from people after I said that on uh, part of the problem saying it's not buffoonery. And then this is part of what I was just saying about the losing game of like getting tricked up on. It's like, right. yeah, I'm not because... following this as seriously as I was six months ago because I don't care as much. And the science on long COVID, I guess, maybe changed two weeks ago. It's, it an, in, in, you know, it's an incomplete thought at best, you know, right. but it, I have it, that it, in the PowerPoint. It's not a, it's not a disease. It's a symptom. Yeah. Okay. So you actually have the receipts and that we can break down on a more technical level um, why Scott is just absolutely, completely and totally wrong. Uh, and so I will hand it to you uh, for your presentation. Uh, here, I can add it. Here oh, we go. dope. Yeah, and, and so if anything like pops out, um, definitely just interrupt me, but it'll be like pretty straightforward and pretty quick. And so, like you said, oh, just wait, to summarize. I'm sorry, this is just my <laughs> ADD. I want to yeah. just take a couple comments. I, I apologize for this. First is, yeah. this is from yeah. Lush, Lush Future. Twitch is also much better about copyright stuff than YouTube. But honestly, Robbie should be on Rumble and Odyssey is a true backup at least. So to respond to this. Firstly, I love Odyssey. Big fan of Odyssey. Uh, Rumble, I don't feel like I have the same personal connection to. as like I haven't spoken to anyone from their team. It's not owned by Jeremy Kaufman. Really love the Rumble, guys. <laughs> I, I am somewhat limited in my capacity for how much post-production I can do on the show. So anything that live streams to YouTube automatically goes to Rumble and Odyssey. In terms of post-production, the only places I then, after the show, post full things to are um, basically Spotify. So if, if it doesn't go out live, there is no backup of the otherwise censored content at this time on Odyssey or Rumble. Uh, but you can check it out on um, Spotify. And then, sorry, one more housekeeping thing. I'm sorry, Stephen. This is just pure ADD. Uh, was someone asked, this was from Mark Sermon, love catching these live, but man, do you make it tough. Maybe a Twitter heads up ahead of time might be nice or a regular time that might be a bridge too far. P.S. I tweeted you, Claude Adams info. Yes, I understand. Claude Adams. <laughs> This show does not come out on a regular schedule, but I think uh, you can basically always figure that Mondays and Wednesdays at um, about 11 a.m. I, I think is I think that's going to be the regular time moving forward. Uh, still waiting to see kind of when we're doing part of the problem, and because I basically want to do part of the problem on the off days. So I think weekends I'm not on the road. It might be Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, uh, but we're doing a lot of. Um, uh, more weekends so it's probably gonna be mondays and wednesdays all right that's all the housekeeping steven back to you let's get into this presentation i apologize for that boring moment no you're good i mean just like you said basically from what i gathered from the episode scott adams is asking you know did we use a rational process to 
easily determine kind of the truth about the COVID policies and vaccines early, or did we just get lucky and we're now kind of ringing the bell? And of course, Scott Adams argues that most of us or all of us just got lucky just by, by some kind of luck cynicism of the government and not actually by looking at the data and, and making points throughout like we were in your podcast. And, and so I, I found it pretty interesting that, you know, kind of the only hat or the only ring to like hang his hat on now is to ask Dave Smith, you know, how do you calculate the risk, not of COVID, because we all know that risk was overblown and it's deteriorating with time. But what's the risk of long COVID, which is, you know, very interesting because that's something that's ambiguous. It's ill-defined. And as we'll go into later, it's just it, it's kind of a uh, it, it's a derivative of a derivative thing to focus on. And how significant is it? And, and so, um, but first, I think, Rob, you've gone over a lot of these. These are just some basic things that we looked at early just to know that there was a problem, right? So first, you know, we want to look at what was the risk of COVID? You know, what was the risk of COVID to people of different ages? And then also, can we look back on other data, other coronaviruses to see how like this new vaccine that's using mRNA would deal with it? And also, how effective is this vaccine? And what's the risk of this new rushed vaccine? These are all very basic questions that we were able to ask, right? They would just come naturally to you. And, and so also, another point I found weird from Scott Adams was that, you know, it was only these far-right kooks or, or kind of these, like, super anti-government types that got lucky with, um, with calling out kind of the inconsistencies with the policies. And no, I mean, there actually were plenty of these peer-reviewed papers um, with with um, various scientists from around the world pointing out things like civil policies, including vaccine mandates, should strongly consider automatic exemption from vaccination based on a history of prior infection or serological evidence of immunity, immunity until the risk-benefit is better delineated. And this is in October of 2021. So this is just an example of, you know, other people sounding the alarm that, you know, natural immunity is a thing. What are we talking about here? Yeah, and th by the way, that, that's a wild one because I think um, there was just articles, I think it was Zero Hedge, but just republishing Gateway Pundit that uh, there were like secret Fauci meetings where <laughs> they were trying to basically internally discuss how they were going to respond to natural immunity, right. uh, showcasing that they had an understanding of the fact that natural immunity does exist. <laughs> Right. And because that was just such a blatant lie that they couldn't even, you know, even though they had most of these people were scared to publish anything differently, even some of them still did, you know. Right. And then also another fact, this was a little bit later than next year. But remember when the CDC changed the definition of a vaccine like yeah. on their website, they literally changed the definition. And a, lo a longer story short, they basically changed the word and they took the word immunity out of the definition of a vaccine and changed it with protection. And protection is a very subjective word versus immunity, which is defined as being immune. Not being able to be infected, certainly not being able to spread. So they basically dulled down the definition of all vaccines just to make this vaccine seem more like a vaccine when it really shouldn't necessarily be one. And then also another point on um, which is becoming more and more interesting to me is how actually just um, by, by quickly going after the spike protein and assuming that it would stay in the muscle, they're actually really subjecting 
uh, people to uh, this leakage of the spike protein that goes into the bloodstream. And like we talked about before, can cause a lot of the problems that are directly linked to the vaccine side effects and a lot of even the COVID-19 side effects. Right, because everything about the release of the vaccine uh, assumed yeah. that the vaccine was going to stay in, which doesn't even make sense to me how you're injecting <laughs> something into a body and it stays localized, but then it fixes your whole immune system. I mean, I literally know nothing about science, but like right. just the idea of I'm putting something into your body that's supposed to spread throughout your body and treat your whole body, but it's also just supposed to like, I just don't even understand how the mechanics of that like would make sense like in my head oh. you pour like something into a water it's gonna go through all the water you know what i mean it gets even it's not only it's it's at that level of your body but then they even make the argument it's at the cellular level so like they're like when when your cells start making this dangerous protein it's going to stay on the outside of the cell does that make sense instead of getting excreted right which but is then, a crazy yeah crazy argument but all of their ideas about um the way the vaccine was supposed to work included the fact that it just stayed localized. Right. right. And now I guess we know that that's not happening. And I think the most direct evidence would probably be what the Pfizer guy just admitted to with the project Veritas of, yeah, clearly something's going on to women's uh, like hormonal structure. Yeah. And I actually have some new data from Pfizer in Japan. So it had to be translated from Japanese that shows that in hamsters, they did what's called pharmacokinetic studies, which, they just injected the uh, the vaccine into one part of the hamster, then monitored where it went in the body of the hamster to basically see how, how it would distribute. And they found that it goes into basic, uh, you know, a bunch of organs that I'll list here. Right. But, uh, but, but that was, by the way, that was one of the first things that Sam uh, Parker, who I'd like to get back onto ooh. the podcast. He was uh, he goes way back down the run your mouth archive uh, and two weeks before uh, Corona became a thing. He had been censored from Twitter for saying, hey, this thing just leaked from a lab and it's going to be a big fucking deal. And we had him on Run Your Mouth two weeks before the world, or maybe it was even three weeks before the world shut down. I did that episode from my car in Queens. It was a fascinating episode. He's been on the show more than once. And then at a later juncture in time, when they came out with the vaccines, uh, he was making some of the boldest claims about the uh, potential for uh, harmful side effects. And what he had said was that every single animal study they'd ever done with mRNAs went really bad. It worked as it basically I think what he had said was that it worked at first. But then when like they got sick again, um, the mRNAs were causing problems. And like essentially, if every one of the animal studies with mRNAs has gone poorly, like how can we possibly be putting this into our bodies if uh, we haven't done a full human study? It's like usually right. we only go to the human studies once the animal studies have gone well. Now, <laughs> I got to be I got to be specific here. That mRNA technology is not the same mRNA technology. So it's not like those studies were the Pfizer COVID vaccine. vaccine right. They were right. They were different mRNA studies. And also I'm talking I didn't read those journals. They were like random PubMeds. I just read the abstract because I, I, I was trying to fact check a little bit. I was like, can you just send them to me? And he did. Um, so to, to clarify it was earlier experiments with mRNA technology had those had harmful results in uh, animals, but that, that which, like, which that is not, yeah, it's just it's the idea of instead of just injecting something into your body or your muscles that that you'll encounter later, so your body then builds up immunity to fight. We're actually injecting you with the instructions to gen genetically modify your cells to make, and that's what these are. And then, and then the idea is that your cells then make what you're supposed to get the immunity to. And that's what the mRNA vaccine is. Yeah. All right. Back to you. And, and also, and this is, um, 
this uh, I, I can't even come up with words more than it makes me furious. But so you'll see up here at the top how there's a PolitiFact fact check about the COVID vaccine. The spike protein is very dangerous. They say it's false. And sure enough, we have here the, the fact check. COVID-19 vaccines are not cytotoxic. False. Conspiracy theory claims COVID-19 vaccine spike proteins are cytotoxic, debunked by experts. While at the same time, there are peer-reviewed publishing, publishing papers saying that the coronavirus spike protein plays additional key role in illness, uh, confirming COVID-19 as primarily, primary vascular disease. Uh, it binds the heart cells. Uh, SARS-CoV-2 spike protein binds to heart vascular cells, potentially contributing to severe microvascular damage. So here there's just a com uh, conflicting between the mainstream media and what's being published in papers about the spike protein that everyone's getting the instructions injected into their arm how to make. And so this is this is just a long little excerpt from someone kind of like uh, Sam Parker. Uh, it sounds like is from the, kind of the same point. He, this is a guy on a, a show calling out Pfizer saying like, hey, I went through this document. It, the spike protein it gets distributed throughout the bloody, uh, excuse me, throughout the body, particularly in other sites such as the liver, ovaries, adrenal glands, the gastrointestinal tract, spleen and the blood system. And in response, Pfizer actually had to get one of their people out <laughs> to respond. And in the response, she said, what's up? Oh, yeah, and, and so and in response, all they said was the document that that, uh, that shows that the spike protein gets into the blood is about pharmacokinetics overview seen from lab studies, and we can confirm it's not about spike proteins from the vaccine resulting in dangerous toxins that linger in the body. So that's just kind of fancy speak for the study wasn't meant to wasn't meant to tell if the spike protein is dangerous. We were just telling where it goes. Classic. Yeah, so it's just a weaselly way to be like, oh, no, there's nothing to see here where it's like, no, no, like this is what the study says. It, it, the, it gets distributed throughout the body of this hamster, at least. And then she's just like, oh, well, you know, that's, you know, that's not important. <laughs> no, because it's funny. Well, we didn't design for it to do it that way. Well, that's what it's doing. The study is saying right. that it's doing. So it's a real weasel out to go, well, no, that's inaccurate because it's not designed. For, it's like if I... I have a math algorithm here that's designed to make you money. And someone went, well, you've had poor returns. And I went, no, that's false. It's not designed for that. Right. Shit. Yeah. I, I seem to be freezing up a little bit, but I think my point oh. was made. No, no, you're good. Yeah, no, I told exactly. And it's like, oh, no, don't look at that. It's like, no, no, but but that's the point of this. You know, it's like, that's right. what we're doing here. And and here's just another study. So, again, remember all those fact checks, The you know, the, the, the spike protein doesn't get into the blood. It's totally safe. Here's another peer-reviewed study in February of 2022 saying that in 30% of the people they tested, they actually found full-length spike protein in their blood. So um, it's just this is a real-world data showing that it does get into the blood, directly conflicting with what Pfizer has been on the book saying. And, and even later, here's another, uh, another peer-reviewed paper showing that they actually found the mRNA from the COVID vaccines in the, in the lymphoid tissues and the adrenal glands. Steven, and this was, yeah. I seem to be freezing up a bunch. Uh, if it happens again, I, I'm going to close the stream and I'll send you a new link. But let's just okay. uh, let's give it a second, see if it sorts itself out. And if not, sometimes if I just do a restart and get a fresh link going. It, uh, uh, no, I, am I coming it. through uh, frozen? No, I think I, no, I think it's freezing up on my end, and that's because uh, you know sometimes I don't like us talking about these kind of things. Yeah, that's for sure.
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, but no, it's just uh, here's just another peer-reviewed paper showing that in some people, the spike glycoprotein is made for up to 60 days. So two months after you get vaccinated, you can be releasing the spike protein. And it also shows that this spike protein is directly related in uh, cytotoxicity and is uh, is a toxic, despite what all those claims were before. So, um, so basically, like we went over, the spike protein is dangerous. They lied about it. They're continuing to lie about it. And um, as well as the vaccine distribution, it does not stay in the deltoid muscle. But back to Scott Adams and, and his long COVID claim. So, uh, so to, just to switch it up, to go back to long COVID, it's a really interesting thing to uh, focus on because there's no medical definition of long COVID. There's no objective test to diagnose long COVID. And what do I mean by that? I mean, if you have um, certain autoimmune disorders, you'll have elevated levels of certain cytokines in your blood, and then that will be used to diagnose you. If, if you have diabetes, they'll test your blood and you'll have low levels of insulin, right? And then that's how they'll diagnose you. Uh, long COVID, because there's no definitive medical definition and the symptoms are so broad, ambiguous, with no time set uh, to it. Um, it, there's, there hasn't been any objective biomarker. It hasn't been like, oh, they're still testing positive for COVID. There's none of that. No blood analysis, no, none of that. And also what's important is long COVID is because there's none of that, long COVID isn't a disease. It's just a list of symptoms. So again, focusing on long COVID is similar to focusing on like back pain and not like what's causing the back pain or, or, you know, um, or a different symptom of, you know, pain anywhere, and maybe not what's the underlying cause of that pain. And, and personally, I, I, I certainly do believe in long COVID. And I uh, personally think it's actually a viral RNA that goes into our DNA integration. And then it residually expresses some of the viral proteins that then cause reactions in our body. So I actually think that is what long COVID is. That's not how long COVID is being defined or used so in the I, scientific paper. So I got to ask you this. Yeah. Uh, does that mean that in your opinion, if someone is experiencing long COVID, it's mostly, it's probably vaccine related? I, I think it's probably more likely it's from the actual virus, just because if you get a bad, uh, if you get an infected bad from COVID-19, there's so much of you. And then the fact of the virus or the viral RNA turning into DNA and integrating into our bodies is more of a function of time and place. Um, so the more there is, the more likely that would happen and the more serious an infection versus the vaccine, which still does distribute throughout your body, but it's a very mild amount versus a real COVID infection, if that makes so sense. All right, so long COVID is a real thing. I I would I would definitely say so, but it's not. But as we'll go in here, it's not the way that they're describing it in medical journals because they're they're grouping in people with all different types of symptoms that that can or cannot be caused by this. And like I said, there's no like blood test that says, oh yeah, yeah, you have the markers of long COVID. There's none of that. In fact, in these papers, they explicitly exclude those types of tests just because they're different between uh, individual papers, you know, whether someone so, is still, yeah. Um, is there some technical accuracy though, to, I guess, Scott's claim. So our core argument would have been, all right, they're pushing this vaccine. I'm looking at the studies and there's clearly no clear evidence of this vaccine um, having a lot of utility. And mm -hmm. it's like a chess piece in their structure for all these other uh, radically harmful uh, mandates and government authoritarianism. That would have been kind of the core claim, right? Right. Uh, and so we said, hey, you're probably better off not getting this. And then we didn't get it. 
And then it turned out that we were right by saying you're probably better off not getting this. Now, I would take issue with the idea of saying, well, you were just guessing. Because I, I guess, in a way, I, 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 I mean, I wasn't guessing because, in my opinion, there wasn't good evidence. And so if I, if I was going vaccine versus natural immunity, government lying to me and possibility of side effects... It was kind of a pretty simple math equation, and I think a rational math equation, if you just put out those terms. In terms of, hey, I'm making a rational thought here. Okay, I've read the actual studies, and there's no evidence of the thing working. Right. right? I also know that government's lying to me, and I also know that there could be side effects. So I'm going to make the decision Why did not you know that? Is it. is it because it was the mRNA? You mean, why did I know that the, that the vaccine wasn't uh, working well? Or no, no, why there might be side effects. Or why, oh, were because you it was skeptical? because because yeah, because it was a new and unstudied technology yeah. of which they. Uh, uh, now that I'm saying this out, this is why it's so infuri- infuriating when he goes there's no <laughs> rational thought. This is all rational thought. This is highly <laughs> rational right. thought. That you also had the quickest vaccine ever put out without any any Six long-term months. studies, and so right. yeah, there's a lot of rational thought going into the fact that there could be risk factors unknown risk factors. And then he asked the highly technical question of, okay, but there's also long COVID. Yeah, but you can get long COVID even if you've been vaccinated. I actually would be interested to see how many vaccinated people versus unvaccinated people are experiencing long COVID, seeing as how a lot of it could be uh, um, more people who are bought into kind of like having less of a fighting attitude of, hey, I'm moving on with my life and I'm not letting- Exactly. And and these reviews that I'm setting right here, they take like a bunch of different ones that all use slightly different metrics. And so, but can I? Can thought, I, just, yeah. I, I just want to finish my thought on yeah. uh, on this guy. So clearly, a lot of rational thought went into oh, yeah. this. Yes, I guess there is an element of guessing in terms of long term risks of long COVID. Uh, I guess the risk of long COVID versus the risk of vaccine injury. But one, getting the vaccine isn't necessarily going to prevent against long COVID. Two is in the initial conversation about COVID, there wasn't even like a lot of long COVID talk. And then to say that, like, you're just guessing. Yeah. All right. So if I'm taking if your question was, do I want to make a choice between a vaccine? Let's just even presume that the vaccine prevented long COVID. And so you are making a choice between the risk factors of, hey, am I concerned with getting long COVID? Am I concerned with the vaccine injury? I guess long COVID would at least even here, long COVID would probably also still be a more limited risk because it's somewhat definable to the diagnosis of people. It's, it's crazy, dude. It's everything. It's, it's brain fog, uh, respiratory coughs, gastrointestinal diarrhea, stomach. Sorry, Steven, I I froze up there. So just give me, give me one second just to finish this, uh, this one thought. So long COVID would at least be definable vaccine injury which once again not the primary reason that i didn't get vaccinated the primary reason was just hey this thing doesn't work and this is uh fishy and then probably a little bit more of like an ocd type concern where it's like i'm hyper focused on small risk and just being like i don't want to think about that in my life like i'm a i'm a i'm a nervous person i'm concerned to government i'm concerned with big pharma but i'll admit to you once you start getting into that that's probably less rational thought but even so if you're equating risk there is a than there is to the potential of vaccine injuries, which could um, we could be seeing in five. Like, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess long COVID too. 10 years from now, we could find out COVID lingered in your body. I guess it's possible. 
Oh, no, absolutely. But also, like you said, one is completely optional, which is taking the vaccine, while the other is not optional, right? So you're going to, you are you might have to interact with long COVID one way or another. Why would you increase your risk if you didn't have and, it? And why wouldn't I just, uh, like, gambling on natural immunity, which has been around forever, versus <laughs> yeah. new technology that government right. just made rushed right. and is lying to you about the efficacy of, and there's pharmaceutical profits involved in, that doesn't just seem like a, a numbers thing. You know what I mean? And like because some because because yeah. some of the insight there isn't in the numbers. You're right. If I'm just looking strictly at the risk numbers, I'm forced right. to guess because there isn't good data here. But the reason why there isn't good data is because the people that are selling it to me are hiding the data. So why Can't would I trust trusted. them? Once again, right. seems like a rational thought. And and to go back to rationality, we can use like virology. And I remember like one of the best classes I took in college, we learned each of the families and the families are important because that's like how they infect. Like that's how the viruses are grouped, kind of how they look in their DNA or RNA, but also how they like actually spread. And so like if this was like an Ebola type virus, it wouldn't spread as well. But if it was like causing people to bleed from their eyes, you know, that's a different calculation. Right. But but a coronavirus, which is known obviously by everyone in the industry as well, is a, like a respiratory virus. And although it might have started off deadly, it's going to be, turn into the common cold. The common cold already is a type of coronavirus, right? So also rational thought of just the virology, right? All right, works for me. Let's continue. Yeah, but but this was this was really surprising and disappointing because you know the paper claims that vaccination was associated with reduced risk or odds of long COVID. So then I went to go find what is the definition. And they basically, they said anyone that Wait, can I just say brain, brain fog and diarrhea, you're just describing morning. Yeah, I hung over, dude, like a Tuesday. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. That's what I'm, dude, that's what I'm saying. So like they, they did this all official scientific study, but like listen to how official this sounds, right? Right. So anyone after they quote unquote have been infected with COVID, which is by the way, like everyone for any amount of time. So whether you experience these symptoms one week after COVID or a couple months, you still report it and they still count it as long COVID. Any type of symptom appearing after the infection, fatigue, pain, brain fog, memory loss, uh, palpitations, cough, diarrhea, stomach ache, vomiting, depression, anxiety, sleep disturbances, you know, that... <laughs> You know, and, and and so my question is, you know, how much of this existed before COVID and how much of it is not due to COVID, you know? Well, it all just a lot of it also sounds to me, um, especially in the realm of the fatigue, depression, anxiety, sleep disturbances. How many people's just lives were like <laughs> changed because of COVID they spend too much time at home, stop going to the gym or whatever else, whatever else was involved in your life, you lost track of. And instead of going, oh, I have a depression issue I have to start working on. It's a lot easier to, I guess, like stay within your groove and just go, oh, this is long COVID and not my fault. Yeah, there are already tons of people before this that, you know, there's a whole uh, a, a club of people that say they have like a low energy syndrome, you know, but then doctors say it's chronic not a real fatigue, disease, right? Yeah. Chronic yes. Fatigue yeah, 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 exactly. So, you know, I'm not saying, like I said, I believe in long COVID, but the numbers and people claiming it is there's no way to tell. Right. And, okay. and, 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 and that's why I said it would be cool if you could do a blood test and say, oh, we're still testing parts of COVID. That that means these oh, symptoms then are Because then, th then it's not just in someone's brain that they're having depression and some doctors going, oh, yeah, yeah, that's long COVID. Exactly. That's why you need a physical. And then you can link cause and effect. Yeah. And then all, I just want to throw in long COVID yeah. seemed to become like the new monkey wrench argument. 
Um, <laughs> yes. And this went back like six months ago when they were talking about the vaccines and we already knew they didn't, well, it can prevent long COVID and the risk of long, like it just seemed to become the new bullshit thing that we have to be overly concerned with, which is why just right off the bat. And then I remember Alex Berenson had an article a uh, long time back comparing it to chronic fatigue syndrome. And oh, that's why yeah. I just, of saying like, it's just kind of in uh, the loony sphere of being unquantifiable. Uh, and probably not a real thing and just mostly in people's brains. Uh, exactly. Uh, but that's why I kind of was pretty quick to dismiss it because it just seemed mostly like, I guess, even if it exists, it's probably on a very minute scale. Probably more of it is mental than is actual, like, you know, treatable symptoms. And then it just became the new, like, lie for them to hold on to some sort of out there risk that we should all be incredibly afraid of. <laughs> that that's like still ill-defined and it might become a disease you know they might find a cause but you know but yeah j and just to summarize just to put like some extras you know spice on, on top you know just to go back a little bit of the highlights that we went through and stuff that has come out that has even proven us right or showing us that we were on the right track um and and these are some of the things that stuck out to me that uh according to this uh paper in early 2022 you're actually 2.5 times more likely to get myocarditis from the vaccine than die from COVID if you're a 15 to 24 year old boy, which is pretty shocking. And that's using and that's using real world numbers of the amount of uh, 15 to 24 year olds that have died according to the CDC, which still might be overcounted. But um, that was all through uh, 20 from 2020 to 2023, and that's a, and then the myocarditis rate one in 10,000 is from that peer reviewed paper. So this is um, COVID-19 kill rate versus, oh, so in other words, you're saying the risk of myocarditis in kids is much greater than the possible death from COVID. Death from COVID. Right, but what, yeah, okay. All right, got it. And then again, just back to the, the original Pfizer trial, only two people out of the 21,000 died of COVID in the first three months trial, which is, you know, one, it's almost one in like 12,000 people. So that's a very low amount, something what, that we should remember. What, I'm sorry. So of COVID in the, this is the original Pfizer trial in the very beginning of 2021. Only two people died of COVID in the placebo group. So in the unvaxxed group, they they had twenty two thousand people, and only two people died of COVID. All right. Versus what? zero in the vax group. Got it. What else we got to cover here? Uh, we got more people died of heart problems in the vax group than COVID in the unvaxxed group. We got, and then through the same study in early 2021, we knew that the majority of people that were having problems were middle-aged women. And this goes to the menstruation problems that this would, this should have been a red flag. And you can see it's highlighted in red are the highest numbers. And this is the adverse re uh, events reported through uh, Pfizer's rollout of the vaccine. Uh, 1,200 people died from the vaccine, and this is from Pfizer. This is from the initial rollout of the Pfizer vaccine in early 2021. These these 1,200 people are specific follow-ups for the cumulative analysis of post-authorization emergency use authorization. So these actually were, you know, um, full-blown deaths from the vaccine. 
And then just using the calculation, you, you can calculate how many people died of the vaccine versus how many people were vaccinated. You get a you get a rate 0.0014. And then you can also get a COVID-19 kill rate, which is 0.0091, which is, again, pretty close. It's pretty interesting. And so here's just kind of the risk conclusion that, you know, the, the COVID-19 uh, calculation for the vaccine. So this indiscriminate kill rate, 0.0014% versus from the Pfizer trial, the COVID death rate is 0.0091%. So you can think about six times higher, you're six times more likely to die of COVID than the vaccine, at least that's what this data shows. And then just to back it up, if you look at 1 million US deaths with a 380 million person population, you get a 0.26 kill rate of COVID-19. And like we, uh, we've covered previously, this number is likely overcounted by a factor of 10, so we're looking more like a rate of 0.026% estimate for the COVID kill rate using kind of these estimated CDC numbers that were overinflated and brought back down, which again is pretty similar to 0.0091%, which is what they got in the original trial. And so that's so, it. Wait, you're trying to say that the death rate from the vaccine is pretty similar to the death rate from COVID? Uh, six times less, but that's what that's what these initial calculations. Because the only hard data that I have on the vaccine deaths, I'm using from that Pfizer trial document, where they had right. about 87 people were jabbed either once or twice, and right, they had a pretty to call... small, pretty small sample size. But that's also a small sample size that they used to to make the vaccine available. Much so, smaller. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. So yeah. If, if the numbers work for them, uh, like then it, what you're doing is just as scientifically accurate as what they're doing. But I would think it's just not a large enough sample size for well, the, the one is 87, 87 million is a pretty big one. Oh, that wait, which study? I'm sorry, I, I missed something here then. Yeah, so the so the vax, so yeah, so sorry, I combined those two documents. So one of those documents right. was a Pfizer trial, and that's where I got the 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 COVID nineteen placebo death rate. And so that one only had twenty two thousand people, and that rate is point zero zero nine one. Which then to kind of back up, I I kind of relate to this this other when number. You placebo which is group? You mean they didn't even get the? Oh, because they didn't get the vaccine, so that's just how many people. That were being, but couldn't you just get, take the general pub? Oh, couldn't you just That's take what the I general did down public? Here. Right, and, yeah. and now when you say by a factor of ten, you're just estimating how many people died with COVID instead of from COVID because of basic general mortality numbers. Correct. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. I'm gonna, and okay, and, but it, even if you don't, you have point two six right here, and then uh, let's see, point zero zero one four. So, yeah, you know, it, it's not terribly close, but it's still pretty shocking. <laughs> All right. I mean, Scott Adams is somewhat right that this math's over my head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's not too bad. I just took the amount of people that died right. divided by the amount of people that either got COVID or got the vaccine. And then and then also, yeah, that's pretty much it. And these are obviously rough calculations. But the point that stood out to me is that, you know, this the COVID-19 kill rate is awfully small no matter what number you're using, if you're going to compare it to a vaccine that has, you know, this many side effects. So <clears throat> it's, yeah, it's just pretty shocking, especially when, you know, even at best case scenario, this is like a factor of a hundred. So in other words, COVID COVID's kill rate is a hundred to 150 times more than the vaccine, which you would want your vaccine to be a lot more safe, or at least I would. 
All right. I'm not sure I totally got this, but I get the gist of it. Okay. Yeah. Just this likely to die from the vaccine and then this likely to die from COVID, which is like more than a hundred, which is a little more than a hundred and eighty times more. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, just finally, these are just some really interesting points just to make about the vaccine. So uh, the deaths peaked here in uh, February uh, 2022. Or no, excuse me. The deaths peaked in January of 2021. And then this is all while the new cases peaked in January 2022, as well as the hospitalizations also peaked in Jan of 2022, along with the vaccinations. So it's pretty clear that as the vaccines were going up, you can see in this chart, so were the hospitalizations, and then so were the new cases. Now, is that, can you argue though that that could just be actually really just a correlation to the fact that that's when people were getting sick. So it's not so much that like the vaccine, well, I guess the argument would be that the vaccine clearly wasn't working that well if we're rolling it out and still a uh, large percentage of the population. Is that, is that the argument? Yeah. I mean, the, yeah, the idea would be as more people get single vax, double vax and boosted, you, you would ideally want to see there be less hospitalizations when less people were, va- were vaccinated. All right. Mr. Which, which Steven, would, what else yeah. we got here? I got to run oh, pretty no. soon. No, yeah, that's no, we're good. That's it. And then just, yeah, uh, last thing we showed that this peer review paper shows eight months after getting vaccinated, this cohort was more likely to suffer, uh, get infected by COVID. So just more sketchy stuff from the vaccine. All right. Well, that, that I mean, that one just kind of sums it all up in terms of the utility. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. The, the, by the time, wait, so is that saying that once we got variants, um, people were getting, the vaccinated people were getting more sick? They were getting infected more, yeah. Right, and then how were they faring once they, or do we not know like hospitalization and death numbers? Uh, this, is, uh, this is of an infection of any severity of over 840,000 people vaccinated uh, versus unvaxxed. Got it. All right, Mr. Steven, another fascinating breakdown with the actual science. For all those listening only to the podcast, there were quite a few charts and graphics, and uh, I actually think some of you guys are math and science people more than I am, and will because uh, I get emails every time you're on where people are like, holy shit, Steven knows everything. So uh, it, Spotify will have the full video. You can go to my Twitter feed. Uh, the full. I actually find if I want to go uh, it's a lot of times in the car, I'll listen back to the episode see if there were any things I thought I got really wrong or weren't clear. And I find that Twitter's, in my opinion, actually the easiest place to just find these and watch them. Uh, so Twitter will have the full video. That's I, I, personally my preferred platform. I find that that's the easiest place to find it and stream it. Um, and that is our episode. Steven, you got any uh, semen freezing you want to plug or otherwise? Oh, no. It's probably going to be a couple of years before I start the freezing semen again, but it's always okay. on the back of my mind. Yeah, you're, on a fr- so. you're on a freezing semen hiatus? <laughs> yeah. I- I'm doing more planning. Don't worry. The-, the next freezing will be even bigger and better than the last. All right. Well, next time I'm out there, I still want to do the-, the race with Brian, and I want to build our little course. Oh, hell yeah, dude. You're always welcome. <laughs> we'll get All a better right. hotel this time. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's our episode. Thanks, everyone, for hanging out. Once again, Stephen, I'll catch you later. Check me out this Wednesday night uh, at the uh, basement of the Barrow Street Ale House, which is a uh, legendary jazz club. 
Uh, so coming out Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. stand-up show. You can stick around afterwards. There's a live jazz show. Uh, got more dates with Davey Smith. Going to be up in Buffalo shortly with Ryan Long. Hit me up, robsnewsgmail.com, if you've got uh, porch tour ideas for me. We're going to be putting those dates together. And as always, thanks to sheathunderwear.com. Use promo card RYM to get 20% off. And yo, kratom.com, home of the $60 kilo. Later.